We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. The Suns are now up 2-0 on the Denver Nuggets on the same day that Nikola Jokic won MVP. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? And it's just not, it's not 2-0. It's 2-0 in convincing fashion, yeah. Mike. I'm doing great. And I'm on the cusp of starting to wonder like, Tonight's game was surreal, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, you know, w- with how long we've been covering the team—not just covering the team, but but just watching the team as fans—I know we've we've had this moment like at various points throughout the season of is it real? Is it real? Are they contenders? Are they contenders? But like, holy shit! Tonight, <laughs> tonight was just another bridge we crossed of just this surreal moment of what am I watching? Incredible. Chris Paul had 17 points, 15 assists, and zero turnovers. A masterful performance. I believe he was the number one uh, trending topic in sports today on Twitter, which is a good thing, right? It's nice that the Suns are the only game today. I feel like I'm not missing anything watching the Suns game. But Mm. 17, 15, zero turnovers, plus 26 for the game. A remarkable, remarkable game. There was a point. but Michael uh, mm-hmm. Michael Malone just came out after the game. He said, quote, I just, what, have you seen this yet? No. He said, Chris Paul doesn't see us. He doesn't feel us. And we're not impacting him in any way, shape, or form, which I thought is as damning a, a quote as you'll get post-game from a coach. The truth it's, is he doesn't see anyone. He doesn't feel anyone because you can't do anything to him. <laughs> he knows every counter. It's a remarkable thing to watch. It's it's one thing to watch him in the regular season. He does things over and over and over again. It's another thing when you're playing a team more than one time, you start to recognize their coverages. You start to recognize the personnel. And he has 
everything that they're going to do to him just sort of mapped out in his brain like some sort of Borg electronic cyber human. And he's able to just process everything just a step faster than every single person on the floor. And and just he makes every right uh, pass. He makes every right dribble. Uh, just It's just a remarkable thing to watch Chris Paul play. And it doesn't get boring. Like I could watch this the rest of my life and I'd have a great time. It, it's just really fun. And, and in this game... I want to give another shout out. We did this for the last game and we, we're going to have to do it probably for every home game. The crowd was incredible. An engaged crowd, in, insanely loud. Chris Paul said it after the game. This is crazy. This is crazy in, in response to, to talking about the crowd. It's really great to see Phoenix Suns fans, whether you're new or old, I don't care, have something like this to really enjoy and to see uh, on this stage. Obviously, more work left to done. I want to preface everything with that, but I don't want Suns fans to, to really let this go by. Enjoy it. Really embrace it. Really enjoy it. Just because there's more work for the team to do, once again, does not mean that you shouldn't have the opportunity to enjoy this. I'm enjoying it. You know what's funny? I was actually talking with Bob Adlock about this um, the other day. He's the executive producer of the Suns broadcast team. Um, talking about some of the cutaways we saw in game one. Like, you remember that cutaway after the kind of climactic play where uh, Chris Paul hits a three and then the Suns steal it and then alley-oop to Torrey Craig yeah. and then they show all those kids dancing. And he was talking about just some of some of these cutaways that you see of the crowd being instantly iconic and so memorable to this fan base. Tonight we got the kid who took his shirt off <laughs> is what, what I'm always going to remember. Yeah. And, and what I love about that, but what I love about that so much is it's not just the energy. It's not just anyone. I'm looking at these kids who are probably no older than somewhere in the 10 to 13 range, right? And this is, I mean, this is how it happens. This is how you make fans for life. These are kids yes. who have had nothing to root for when it comes to the Phoenix Suns for a literal decade. And it's like, I've been telling people this fan base is big. It's just been dormant. And you can finally see it start to wake up as they're given something that, an, an actual good basketball product that's worth watching this has just been a, a tremendous, memorable run. And similar to, you know, how I still parade around in my Steve Nash jersey as, as if it's some treasured item 15 years later because he was the guy, he was the figure who got me into basketball. Regardless of how this ends, I'd like to believe that that's kind of what Suns fans will be doing, young Suns fans today with Chris Paul 10 or 15 years from now. The way the guy is playing, he has a chance to be a true icon a legend in in son's history and that doesn't matter if, he, if he's only here for one season or if he's here for three four five yeah. he's playing that well and this run has just been that memorable there will be a lot of heroes born on this playoff run there will be people that son's fans will remember for the rest of their life on this run and i just i keep taking a step back during this game specifically i think when when the suns are up by enough points you have an opportunity to sort of reassess the entirety of the team and, and not really just have to really dig into the analysis of a single game, which we will still do. But I keep taking a step back and just really appreciating that even teams of old, and I, and I say teams of old, I've only been a fan since 2005. I've been an NBA fan my entire life, but I didn't move to Phoenix in, until 2005. So I had an opportunity to really enjoy all of those Nash teams. Those teams skated by on offense. And, and they were amazing at offense. But this team is so complete in what they do defensively. And, and it took them a while to click offensively. But once they did, they became so complete offensively. 
the fact that this team is capable of doing both of what they did in this game to the Nuggets is just remarkable. They, they did everything right defensively, literally everything right. I mean, the Nuggets still scored some points, but 98, they kept them under 100 points. And then to still go on the other side of that and score 120 points with ease, and that's with Devin Booker scoring 18 points. Like He didn't even get over 20 points, and he was not worrying about it at the end of the game, I can tell you that much. He looks very comfortable on that bench. The fact that they can do both of those things at this high of a level in the playoffs, mind you, right? There were times people throughout this season doubted the Suns. I never faulted some of those people because I thought playoffs are different. Never. Playoffs are different. Mm-hmm. You got to see them perform in the playoffs. These guys are new. These guys are young. And we got to see them mm-hmm. perform. Obviously, you know what you're going to get from Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. Everyone else is a bit of a question mark. Not anymore. So far, every single other player is performing at the peak of their powers at the exact right time. And they'll have to continue to do it in order to make the finals. And I'm saying that for the first time on this podcast. In order to make the finals, they'll have to continue to do that. But I, this is... We've, a f- never, we've never said it before, have we? I haven't. I feel like we I, haven't. I, I mean, we've called them... It's funny. We've called them contenders. But it's a little bit different to say, yeah, they're contenders. They're in the mix. And actually... Is this team the favorite to make the finals out of the out of the remaining pack in the West? Not the favorite. Not the favorite. Either Utah or the Clippers would be such a tough series. Yeah. Yeah. But we are talking we are talking about that prospect with a level of seriousness, I think, that we weren't considering a month ago. No, you have to take that seriously now. And it, you know that the players are and the players, I mean, to their credit The players the the players have all along. To, to their credit, Javon Carter yeah. said it in training camp that they asked him what the ceiling for this team is, right. and he said uh, realistically the Champions. NBA finals but it should be said right that they beat they beat the Lakers by 30 points then they beat the Lakers by 13 points right and then they beat the Nuggets by 17 points and tonight they beat the Nuggets by 25 points at that point you have to you have to just question what what what's their ceiling what can they do how can they keep going on this because they're not just beating teams they're they're kicking their asses and they're really kicking their asses on, on national TV over and over again it's just remarkable. It's nice to take an opportunity right now just to take a step back and really appreciate it. 27 assists uh, to 7 turnovers tonight. <laughs> Incredible. 30 assists to 10 turnovers in Game 1. That's 57 assists to 17 turnovers Incredible. Uh, in, in two games. That's quick maths. Um, I, I said tonight that it's time to start calling the Phoenix Suns as a mainstream opinion one of the best pa- you said this too for the simultaneously one of the weirdly. best we, we weirdly we we put out the take at the exact same time almost as if we've been one person running this pod <laughs> that all these years yeah. um that the suns are one of the best passing teams of all time and so much of that is about chris paul uh, statistically this is something i've been on for for a long time they have the best assist in the regular season the best assist to turnover ratio of any nba team in the past 25 years that's a fact so right there there is statistical basis for it but it's just funny to me because obviously there's so much about their identity that's grounded in defense too but you were talking about their offense in comparison to those Nash teams Nash was such a heliocentric approach and this team is just not like that Chris Paul with 15 assists to zero turnovers tonight it, he's he's phenomenal what can you say about him he he doesn't make mistakes he's masterful every single possession 
But those old Suns teams, too, 15 years ago, they didn't have role players who could catch the ball in the corner and seamlessly attack a closeout and, and find someone with a dump-off pass over and over and over again without making a mistake. They didn't have bigs who could just catch in the short roll and, and then kick out and find the open man. There's something special about the, the level of selflessness that we've seen out of this unit that we haven't seen in Suns history. Uh, we haven't seen in modern NBA history, I think, ex- except for the, the two teams that I would compare it to are the Warriors uh, and the Spurs. I mean, I really think it's on the level of those teams is, is what we're seeing out of this group's playmaking. Now, do they have the true talent, the shot-making ability to get them past you know some superstar players that they'll have to face in, in the next two rounds if they get that far? Not to mention, you know, you got to finish out business here. That's the remaining question about the Suns, and, and that's what people will continue to to question about them. But if we're just talking about the way they play together as a unit alone, I don't think there's anyone better, and I don't think it's close in the league at this point, honestly. I don't think it's close. There were times this season that you and I would get frustrated with people saying, well, calling someone like Mikel Bridges a 3 and D player, or even Cameron Johnson, calling someone like Cameron Johnson a 3 and D player. Because we would commonly say it's not they're not that. There's something more than that. I mean, I, I you could probably say that Jay Crowder is that. That's probably the closest guy on the Suns to that. But like Mikel Bridges in particular, who had another good game tonight, um, not perfect shooting from three, but beyond that, a very good game. 16 points, I believe, is what he ended the game with. Uh, five for 12 shooting. A great game. Efficient game. He does so much more than that. He's able to attack closeouts. He can make the right reads on passes, even if they're just sort of that middle pass. It may, maybe it doesn't turn into an assist. Maybe it's a hockey assist. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe he's swinging it from the right corner, and it takes three passes to get to the left corner, and then it's wide open. But understanding how to make that read immediately without hesitating, that's a skill too. And and I think all of these guys, they, they put together skilled players. They're not just sort of... Uh, they're not just put into a role where they only have to do one thing. There, a lot is expected out of them on this team. And credit to Monty, this this is point five. It's point five. We should get into the that's game been the mon- right? <laughs> It's been the motto all along. But yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking, we're t- this was a tremendous, tremendous win. Denver should feel embarrassed, but at the same time, we're taking too much of a victory lap here because. This Denver team came back from down 3-1 yeah. twice last season. They faced a lot of adversity. Let's talk about, and and this is a tough conversation, Mike, because I don't even know what the answer is. Where do the Denver Nuggets go from here in Game 3? Well, I think one thing is obvious. They, they need to get healthier. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was not right. Uh, missed every shot in the first quarter and then came back and hit a few shots in the rest of the game, three shots in, to be specific. Um and I think that makes a huge difference. He's he's the second best player offensively on this team right now, outside of Nikola Jokic, and he's he's the most capable of getting open off the ball because he can score from just about anywhere on the court. Although he prefers one spot, which is the top of the key from three. Um, and if he's not fully healthy, that's going to be a problem. And look, I want to give him credit and and Will Barton um, for that matter to go out there and to play when you're clearly not fully healthy. And to give the kind of effort that they gave, even though they couldn't do what they normally do, it takes a lot, man. It hurts, and it's not easy to do. And they tried. They gave it all. They gave it their all 
And 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 if he gets healthier, if Michael Porter Jr. gets healthier, they gave up a lot of open threes in that first quarter. I think they got out of that first quarter a little lucky. The Suns did, I mean. And uh, if Michael Porter Jr. was fully healthy, it's possible that that first quarter would have gone a lot differently and the Suns would have been in a hole to start that game and then the entire game is different. Uh, so that's that's step one to me. Get get healthier, and they have a little bit of not a lot of time, a little bit of time to get healthier. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They shot 33% from deep, 40% from the field, 60% from the free throw line, um, and an overall poor shooting performance. So that was a factor, obviously. It's tough with MPJ because he's such a young player. It's it's the same sort of reaction that I think I would give to Suns fans if, uh, and thankfully this is not the case, if DeAndre Ayton were playing poorly in his first playoffs. It's his first playoffs. Um, as a matter of fact, he's been terrific. But on the other side of things, you remember that MPJ is a young player, and and so it's unfortunate that so much is resting on his shoulders for that team. Uh, the more unfortunate thing is that he, the the honest truth is he's a one sided player, just a totally offensively dominant. Um, that I mean that dominates his entire game, and he's contributing right now nothing for them on the defensive end, and the Suns are tactically finding ways to yeah. exploit him, possession after possession on defense. So if he answers that by coming back down on offense and he shoots three for 13, two for nine from deep and just can't hit the usual difficult shots that he needs to make, he's not doing anything for the Nuggets. In fact, he's he's a liability. Um, he, he was minus 26 tonight in 28 minutes. The uh, Obviously, everyone on the Nuggets had a bad plus minus, but he was the worst yeah. by far. Yeah. Just a tough situation for them, man. Jokic played a pretty good game, I thought. Aiton, again, played good defense. Yeah. Um, but but there was so much wrong with the Nuggets' offense. Like Aiton, here's an example. Aiton gets his second foul. What four minutes into the game? Yeah. How many did he finish with? Let me check the box score. Real two. Quick. He finished with two fouls. Nobody drives. That was his last foul. Nobody drives. Nobody nobody drove. And you had look. All credit to, I mean, Will Barton's an important piece for them in that he actually did his job tonight. He made a couple of difficult shots, but they didn't put any pressure on the rim. None. Jokic was not able to draw the fouls that he wanted against Aiton just one-on-one. So someone else had to take control and try to get Aiton in action, get him in space, and then attack him and force him into foul trouble. They, they should have understood from four or five minutes into the game that there was that was their best chance of winning this game. And instead, 
uh, we really saw a little bit of the downfall of this Nuggets team, which is that, yes, we talk about how smart these basketball players are on the condition that Jokic is the one handling the ball and the rest of them are the ones who get to cut and get to collect the ball off handoffs. When it's anyone else who has to initiate that offense in the absence of Jamal Murray, they're not particularly smart basketball players. MPJ is a rhythm shooter who hunts his own shot far too much. Barton is the same kind of guy. And I don't blame Barton for being like that because like, that's always what he's been. But again, you got a second foul on DeAndre and you had the opportunity to attack him relentlessly. And instead you had a bunch of guys hunting their own threes uh, when they should have been getting the ball to Jokic and trying to cut around him and find ways to attack Aiton. They just weren't capable of doing it. And I'm sure, you know, that among many other things is what Malone is telling them after this game. But it's just like, you know, after game one, that was a bit of a rough loss for the Nuggets. We talked about the adjustments that they could make kind of being schematically like little things that they could tweak on defense. There's nothing they can tweak here. There's so much that went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's just it's just a lot for them to have to fix now as they go back and try to defend their home court uh, in the span of two days. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. You want to guess who had the most drives? I, I only have the stats for the last game, game one. You want to guess who had the most drives on the Nuggets in game one? Uh, Monte Morris? It was Compazzo. It was, uh, yeah. Who had 10 drives. And and what do you, I mean, that's not a threat at all. You don't, you don't worry about him at all once he gets he in the literally, He literally, he... He literally had a wide open layup tonight, and actually, I think the Nuggets yep. made this shot. He had a wide open shot tonight. Uh, was afraid of Jay Crowder a couple of feet behind him, so he passed out to an open three. He's not gonna. He's not gonna shoot. No, he's not gonna shoot. Yeah, there's no fear from that. I just find it amazing when you look at the box score for the Suns: eleven points by Crowder, sixteen points by Bridges, fifteen points by Aiton, seventeen points by Paul, eighteen points by Booker. This is the entire starting lineup. Everyone in double figures. Nobody over twenty in this entire game, and they still scored one hundred and twenty-three points. Um, it, that's that's a well-executed game plan for the Phoenix Suns. But we have to talk about this: the Suns won the Dario Saric minutes. Ah, there it is. By 15, um, plus 15. Someone, <laughs> I forget who it was, so shout out. You know who you are, but someone was in my mentions. They specifically requested we make time to talk about the Dario minutes, so I'm glad. I'm glad here we are. He was really good. Yeah. He, was <laughs> he hit really his good. threes. He hit his threes. Um, he defended Jokic actually pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like I could have asked him misses. to do yeah, forced a couple of misses. Um, I, I saw them running some some of those off-screen actions to try and get Jokic moving, and I thought Dario actually moved pretty well in space. It's weird with Dario because he'll give you a possession on defense where the offense is running like multiple actions at him like over the span of 15 or 20 seconds, and he's moving really well, and you're thinking, damn, it takes a lot of stamina to... to to do what he's doing right now. That's really impressive. It's, you know, this isn't the most athletic guy and, and yet here he is, he's competing. And that's all, you, that's really all you can ask from Dario Saric is just compete on defense. And then you'll see another play. It'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like the next play and they'll set like a basic high screen pick and roll. And it's like, he just completely, you know, fails to move <laughs> laterally and like cut off the guard at all. It's like, he does the hard stuff pretty well sometimes. And then the easy stuff is where he fumbles the bag. Um, <laughs> but tonight in, in fairness to him, it was just it was a well-rounded performance from Dario Saric, and yeah. he is definitely proving that he has earned those minutes. Um, all the more so when he can hit his threes uh, and even like you know make a layup or, or dunk as he did tonight, paired with Chris Paul in the pick and roll. Uh, he he is a dynamic player, and 
yeah, the Suns the Suns can do pretty well, even with Aiden off the floor. If Michael Porter Jr. continues to struggle, you can expect the Suns to win those minutes pretty handily. I, I'd say um, plus fifteen makes a lot of sense in this game. Uh, I think with Dario, you're right. Defensively, there's some interesting stuff, but the, I think the Suns did a good job of keeping him out uh, of the position to make a lot of decisions uh, defensively yeah. to move too much laterally. I posted a clip online. I, I highly suggest looking at this. I, I find it funny. Uh, I'll post a video of the kid taking his shirt off and it'll get 500 likes. I'll post some analysis of a, a really interesting <laughs> defensive scheme. It'll get nine likes or something like that. But That's just Twitter, it, man. I know. It's, it is what it I is. I know. Analysis yeah. is for later. People are too in the moment. I saw... I saw your video of the scram switch, which was uh, is what I assume you're about yes. to talk about. I found it very interesting. Yes. So talk about. <laughs> well, it. I knew you would. I wasn't worried about that. Uh, what he, what they did is uh, Austin Rivers was at the top of the key. I forget. I think it was campaign. Actually, no, it was Tory Craig that was on Austin Rivers, and uh, he called for a screen, and he specifically pointed at Paul Millsap because Dario Saric was guarding Paul Millsap. As Paul Millsap crossed over to set that screen, Devin Booker switched onto Paul Millsap and then pushed uh, Dario Saric down to guard Jamichael Green, who was in the dunker spot. Now, you can't do this all the time. If you do this on Jokic, Jokic finds Jamichael Green in an instant. If it's Austin Rivers, he can't quite thread that needle. He's not tall enough. Torrey Craig is on him. It makes it a lot more difficult. But they did it in, this right, in the right place. Dario Saric dropped back. Devin Booker and Torrey Craig were now guarding the screen. They switched. They missed a three. Those guys are much more switchable. Dario Saric can't really move laterally as quickly as those two guys, and, uh, and and they just weren't able to get anything out of that. So this is an example of Monty Williams knowing exactly where guys are going to be useful and knowing exactly where they can be exploited and coaching them and preparing them to be able to do things to minimize how they can be exploited well on the floor. I just found that to be remarkable, and that's the type of thing that this Suns team is so prepared for every single game. And that was the type of thing that shows how prepared they are because it wasn't, you know, Dario wasn't confused on what he was supposed to do there. Devin Booker wasn't confused on what he's supposed to do there. Torrey Craig knew to switch on that play. It was just perfectly executed defense that took Dario out of the position to be picked on. I just found it to be a, a remarkable play. Pretty remarkable too because so much of coaching is about the balancing of egos at the NBA level. Um, it... it speaks to the selflessness of the roster top down there too i think because you need to be honest about what your strengths and weaknesses are there are a lot of players who always want to take on the toughest defensive assignments and and from dario's perspective it takes him kind of manning up to (laughs) to be willing to say okay this is not my strength they want to they want to effectively hide me on a different player for this possession so that's what we're going to do it's similar to the types of sacrifices that we've talked about a player like DeAndre Ayton making on offense all season long. There are defensive sacrifices that these players have had to make too. And I mean, it's really just a crock of shit that Monty didn't win coach of the year. <laughs> yes, right? I was going to go there too. Come on. I appreciate you going there. We talked about it. There was a point in the season, I think, that we wanted to address um, our evaluation of Monty Williams. And, and I know you remember what I said. You, you can't. You can't do it till the playoffs. Because the most coaching happens in the playoffs, and that's really what matters the most. It shows how prepared the players are, and it shows their ability to make adjustments mid-game. The way the Suns have come out in the second halves of games this season has showed exactly who Monty Williams is. The way that Devin Booker and Chris Paul and other players have been prepared for each game shows exactly who Monty Williams is. It's his ability to communicate game plans to players, his ability to 
prepare them for the moment. It just should not. Uh, it, the trouble is most people don't recognize it. Most people cannot explain it. And I think this is what's hard sometimes. Uh, they just look at, well, the Knicks were supposed to be bad and they're good. Let's vote for that guy. Fair. But the difference between what what Tibbs did, which is get them to sort of buy into a system, I think that's how Zach Lowe described it, and what Monty did is just completely different. It's completely, completely different. And you can look at how the Knicks played in the playoffs if you want an example of a team that's not prepared. They had no offense. They couldn't do things offensively. They they were relying on 33-year-old, 34-year-old Derrick Rose for everything. And the Suns just don't, I mean, they're better. That matters too. The players matter too. But they're also much more prepared, and that's it's really great to see. I mean, even the even in the games without Chris Paul, right? Like the Suns had a plan. Yeah, the Knicks. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a contrast there. Yeah, but it's okay. Look, moving on. Uh, the ring is what we're focusing on at this point, and uh, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it in our. We did another pregame on Spaces. If you don't follow us on Twitter, find us on Twitter. Um, I'm at protected pick. Sam is at scooper hoops. We never talk about our actual handles on this podcast, but I assume most of you follow us already if you have a Twitter account, but we're doing pregame for these uh, games as much as we possibly uh, possibly can live. Uh, The two guys we are hoping to kind of go off tonight were campaign and cam Johnson. Neither of them really did. They were both good. They both had seven points, uh, three for five shooting from campaign. He gets some, he gets a weird whistle in the playoffs. He had five fouls in this game. Um, I feel like some of his aggressiveness, maybe he's a little too aggressive on certain helps, and that's what results in him getting five fouls like he did in this game. Uh, Cam Johnson, uh, two for eight, but two for five from three. I think he got blocked twice at the rim. Some really nice defensive plays by the Nuggets, but I think his his attacking in those scenarios, whether it be in transition or in the half court, were the right decisions, and I liked his aggressiveness. And I, I was a little worried about his wrist when he missed, I think, his first three threes uh but then he hit two at the end of that and i felt a little bit better about it what'd you think of those guys uh i'll start with campaign first of all one of those fouls was a clean block clean block uh he's been pretty good at protecting the rim in the playoffs actually i think he's averaging like close to a block a game or something ridiculous um with with cam johnson that is i don't know i've just been really impressed with with you've got here you have a rookie contract wing in Cam Johnson, and you have another rookie contract wing in Mikhail Bridges. These guys should not look as confident just attacking as they do. Uh, and, and I think that's just one more example of, of a way in which Monty has really prepared them throughout the season. He's made sure not to reduce their roles just to that boring 3-and-D corner shooter, but to encourage them to expand their palette a little bit and and attack in other ways in the in the regular season in a way which has paid dividends now in the playoffs. And we saw it a little bit from Cam. I know he didn't make any twos tonight, but but even just dribbling and putting that pressure on the defense is valuable in, in some sense. It, it sucks in a little bit. It provides a sort of sense of gravity. Um, Mikhail is the guy who had more success with it tonight. We saw his what's becoming like his patented mid-range jumper ah, uh, at this point. But also, what else did he do? Uh, well, he also... Yeah, yeah, there There was that one play where he attacked and Twice. he went all the way... Twice, maybe it happened twice. I only remember that one time, but uh, I guess twice he attacked and and went all the way, absorbed the yes. contact, and got to the free throw and line. That's a four, very, look at that. yeah, yeah, very very important uh, development there for Mikhail Bridges because we know his mid range shot is unblockable. 
We know that he has the ability to to score in multiple ways, and I think that's going to be valuable in the future. The only way Mikhail Bridges ever unlocks like star potential as an offensive player uh, is if he really embraces getting to the free throw line and understands that that he has to put uh, pressure, he has to put fear in the hearts of his opponents, essentially, yes. that um, that they could be put into foul trouble if they play him too close, and and you and know you he, he starts to understand right. that. Yeah, he started to understand that a little bit tonight. It's just when he attacks a closeout, everyone is scrambling. Everyone is out of position because he gets so open on some of these passes. So when when he attacks that closeout, everyone's out of position. Uh, So he can draw fouls relatively easily. It's not quite the same as when Devin Booker or Chris Paul have the ball. Everyone's sort of locked in. When Mikael Bridges catches it, it's usually on the weak side and everyone's scrambling. So um, you can get free throws out of that. And in this game, he got four which is not a lot, but it's also the most of any Suns player. So he did relatively well. Tied with, by the way, DeAndre Ayton, who's been amazing this entire playoffs at pump faking, getting guys out of position, and then going up with the ball and getting fouled over and over and over again. Another remarkable performance by him. We don't have to dwell on it because I think we're going to continue to talk about it with every single game. I just want to say one thing. I know we're getting close to how we normally end these around half an hour. How fun is it to cheer for Jay Crowder? (laughs) (laughs) three for four in this game when he's hitting shots it's like what do you do what do you do defensively if you're the other team but he he gets into people's heads and and all of his threes are momentum swings and and it gets to the point yeah he's getting in aaron gordon's face and you want to cheer for it and he's he's amazing man what like the best possible signing i think the suns could have made using their mle this past offseason yeah perfect a perfect fit for this team a culture changing type of player the Suns are really good tonight. <laughs> it's fun to have a post-game podcast where we can just gush about how fun they were. Uh, and, and like, look, Devin, we didn't even talk about Devin Booker, who ended the game with 18 points, 10 rebounds again, by the way, multiple double-doubles with rebounds. And I think some of that comes from just guys boxing out and letting him get the rebound. But he's still doing well. on The Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I think they are doing that a little <laughs> bit with him, which I think is smart. I yeah. mean, grab it and go. Also, only two turnovers in this game, which I think is is sort of a, it's like a weather balloon for like it's something that you can really count on for the Suns. It, how good they're playing is how many turnovers Devin Booker has had, even though they've won when he's had five, like in the last game. That two turnovers is good for him. So I just thought it was remarkable that they could do that well with him only, you know, fourteen shots, eighteen points. It's really great, really great to see. You got anything else before we go here? Uh, no, no. I mean, like, what can I say yeah. other than that this was just an amazing team performance by the Phoenix Suns and what has been a remarkable, memorable run has just been really fun for us to cover. Can't let your foot off the brakes yet, though, um, or your foot off the gas. Sorry, it's really late here. <laughs> so I'm like struggling to put thoughts together. But uh, yeah, we got game three on Friday. I'm, I'm hyped yep. for it. We'll be on Spaces. Uh, just like you said, follow us on Twitter. If you do not follow us on Twitter, because that is the only way you will be able to find us uh, on our pregame spaces, uh, where I imagine we will break down what the hell we think the Nuggets are, are even going to do. I need a couple days to think uh, they'll about They'll have home court advantage at that point, and that will help them. They're the, Obviously, they have the altitude. They'll have the fans. Maybe they get the refs on their sides a little bit in that game, and that could help them a lot. Uh, so that's going to matter. Some podcast news for us. I'll be in Colorado. I will not be 
going to the game, unfortunately, but I will be out of town. I'm taking all of my podcast stuff with me. So <laughs> the goal is to record from out of town for these next two games while I'm going to be out of town, and then I'll be back after that. Hopefully it's the last two games of this round, obviously, and they just sweep. Um, but but I will do my best to make sure that we are capable of still putting putting out content for these last two games. We... We haven't even thought about that. What if they sweep the Nuggets and then just the Jazz and Clippers, we get to watch them beat the shit out of each other for seven games and while the Suns get like a week-long break. That would be pretty amazing. I mean, the fact that we did not yet bring up Chris Paul's health is a really great sign already. But boy, would that help even more because he looks great. We'll be back soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.